there's this episode in the Gospel according to Mark. And, and what's going on is people are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to trip him up in his words, expose him as either a fraud or a fool. And Jesus just keeps kind of, man, every time, every time, just coming out on top. And there's this scribe, this, this expert, who's, who's immersed in the Old Testament way and, and the law of God. And, and, and he comes to Jesus and he asks him this question. And he says, Jesus, of all the commandments of God, which is the greatest? And I want to share with you today what Jesus says into that. The most important one, he answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And check out this last line. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions questions. It was like the first century equivalent of like a mic drop. You know what I mean? It's just like the matter is settled. And what I want to tease out of this episode from Mark today is this inextricable link between the kingdom of God and love. That there is something between these two, the kingdom of God and love. that cannot be separated. Love of God and love of humanity. Now, over the centuries, expatriates of the kingdom of God have been marked and known above all things by love. I want to share you some examples today. Uh, Someone born from above, loves. Paul says the fruit of the spirit, if someone has the spirit in them, it starts with this, love. Of all God's gifts, 1 Corinthians will say, the greatest is not faith, the greatest is not hope, the greatest is love. Let me share with you a couple of passages from Jesus today. Look at what he tells his disciples. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And later, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays his life down for his friends. The people who came into contact with the early believers said, see how they love one another. They will know we are expatriates by our love. And the question is, 
how far will love take you? People yearn for love. To love and to be loved, to experience love. We, we hunger for it. We write about it, we dream about it, we orchestrate our lives around it. It's encapsulated in all those great love songs. Love is like oxygen, love is a many splendored thing. Love lifts us up where we belong, all you need is love. You could add to it about a thousand more. And yet, so many don't experience the fullness of what their heart is yearning for. They merely have glimpses or tastes of this kind of love, this depth of love that Jesus is talking about. But it seems to remain remote or, or fleeting or there in part with a promise of something but often without the fullness. And people spend their lives wandering and aching. Maybe you, maybe you craving this thing called love which always seems just beyond arm's reach. But as expatriates of the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of God who live in this world, while we wait for God's kingdom to come again, we're called to love differently. We're called to love with something more than sentiment or just feeling or mood or emotion in the moment, but a love motivated by sacrifice, by duty, by loyalty, by commitment to one another. Jesus will have some of the most radical things to say about love and how far it will take you. About a call to love that is so above and beyond what any of us experience or imagine. The question though is this, how far will love take you? I wanna share with you today just some samples, examples of this. Love not in a hallmark, sentimental kind of way, but the extremity of love. The degree that love that God is talking about. So let's start here. If you're joining us here in the state of Illinois, we're all hunkered down. And I tell you, it's been like 18 hours, right? And it already sucks. Like 17 more days of this, are, are you kidding me? And, and there's a lot of us who might be frustrated, feeling like it's going too far, feeling like I feel well, what difference does it make? You know, this isn't the first time the people of God have had to face this kind of thing. I wanna share with you something and it's extended. Written in 1527 by Martin Luther, entitled, Speaking with regard to the Black Death. Listen to what it says. If one makes no use of intelligence or medicine, when he could do so without detriment to his neighbor, such a person, person injures his body and must beware lest he becomes a suicide in God's eyes. By the same reasoning, a person might forego eating and drinking, clothing and shelter, and boldly proclaim his faith that if God wanted to preserve him from starvation and cold, he could do so without food and clothing. That would be like suicide. 
It is even more shameful for a person to pay no heed to his own body and to fail to protect it against the plague the best he is able and then to infect and poison others who might have remained alive if he had taken care of his body as he should have. He is thus responsible before God for his neighbor's death and is a murderer many times over. Indeed, such people behave as though a house were burning in the city and nobody were trying to put the fire out. Instead, they give leeway to the flames so that the whole city is consumed, saying that if God so willed, he could save the city without water to quench the fire. No, my dear friends, he writes, this is no good. Use medicine. Take potions which can help you. Fumigate house, yard, and street. Shun persons and places wherever your neighbor does not need your presence or has recovered and act like a man who wants to help, out the, help put out the burning city. What else is the epidemic? But a fire which instead of consuming wood and straw devires life and body. You ought to think this way. Very well, by God's decree, the enemy has sent us poison and deadly disease. Therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. Can you believe this is 1527? There's more. If God should wish to take me, he surely will find me and I have done what he has expected of me and so I am not responsible for my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid. I shall not avoid place or person but will go freely. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Moreover, he who has contracted the disease and recovered should keep away from others and not admit them into his presence unless it be necessary. Though one should aid him in his time of need, as previously pointed out, he in turn should, after his recovery, so act towards others that no one becomes unnecessarily endangered on his account and so cause another's death. Whoever loves danger, says the wise man, will perish by it. If the people in a city were to show themselves bold in their faith, when a neighbor's need so demands, and cautious when no emergency exists, and if everyone would help ward off contagion as best he can, then the death toll would indeed be moderate. But if some are too panicky and desert their neighbors in their plight, and if some are so foolish as to not take precautions but aggravate the contagion, then the devil has a heyday and many will die. On both counts, this is a grievous offense to God and to man. Here it is tempting God. There it is bringing man into despair. Then the one who flees, the devil will pursue. The one who stays behind, the devil will hold captive so that no one escapes him. Martin Luther, 1527, crazy stuff. I want to speak to those of you who are hunkered down right now. How far will love take you? 
The plague is nothing new. Epidemic is nothing new. To Christians, they've been facing it for 2,000 years. In the second and third century in Rome, they were noted among the pagan population for this. That while everyone else fled the city and the plague, it was Christians who often chose to stay behind to minister to the weak and the sick and the dying, even at risk to themselves. How far will love take you? I think of 2,000 years of the church inventing things that we now call hospitals, inventing things that we now call care facilities and nursing homes, bringing food to those that they didn't know, caring and ministering to those who they never met, setting up relief stations, aid stations, help stations and protection, giving themselves over to the care and ministry of those who are in need. Not because they wanted to, not because it was joyful, not because it brought them meaning in life, because they loved God. And by loving God, they were called to love their neighbor. Here today, how far, how far will love take you? I think of Christians who gave their lives, whose love and obedience to Christ was so great that they didn't even shrink back from death. There's this one early story coming out of the second century AD. An elderly man named Polycarp, follower of Christ, 86 years old, arrested for his faith and actions towards others and service of the gospel. When brought before the courts, certainly to go to the Colosseum and to the lions, even the prosecutors begged him, just recant, stop. In their words, despise Christ. Have respect for your age. Swear the oath and I will release you. Revile Christ, but listen to his answer. For 86 years I've been his servant and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? How far will love take you? And it continues through today. People serving, ministering, and putting themselves in harm's way. How far will love take you in your devotion to Christ today? Listen to what this says in the letter to the Hebrews. Paul, writing of those, those who faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They did it out of love for God. How far will love take you? 
I think of God, who sent his son away from him, letting him go to come into this world to face certain danger and death. And he did it willingly. For me and for you, knowing nothing would ever be the same again, that his son would be forever changed for all eternity. And he did it anyway, out of love for you. How far will love take you? I think of Jesus on a cross, willingly facing agony while we jeered him doing it for me and you. Saying things like, Father, forgive them. How far will love take you? The absolute essential call of the people of the kingdom of God is to love him with all their being, with all their soul, with all their might, with all their strength, and out of that love to love others. Whatever the inconvenience, whatever the cost, whatever the risk, to love those who Jesus loves. To those of you who are inconvenienced by this time, frustrated, maybe even angry, love the others around you enough to not further harm in their way. For those of you who are afraid right now, you want to isolate yourselves and think only of me. You're hoarding water, you're hoarding toilet paper, we know all the jokes, but you're doing it. How far will love take you beyond love me? Think of those whom God loves in this time. Check in on them. Bless them. Help them in their time of need. For those of you serving on the front line, we've got our doctors and nurses and medical teams. We got people working at gas stations. We got people doing custodial work, cleaning up after everything. We've got people working in grocery stores. We've got people in every other sector in line that are keeping things going. God protect you and bless you in this. Love others through this. And know that your risk of love, no, it's not in vain. It honors God. It honors God. And give yourself to the task at hand. Love for God is something extreme. It's something far beyond a warm kind of blanket sort of feeling. It's sacrificing the self and our own needs and wants for the sake of others. That's the kind of love Jesus brings.
So back to the story. I wanna leave you with a quote today. On these words that Jesus said, let me repeat them again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second being like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Let me just leave you with a quote from Bishop Robert Barron today. We do it because of who Jesus is. Christ is not simply a human being and he is not simply God. Rather, he is the God-man, the one in whose person divinity and humanity meet. Therefore, it is impossible to love him as God without loving the humanity that he has embraced. And according to Jesus, it's the equivalent of this.